Hello and welcome to the IV Drip, your direct line to all the good our communities have to offer. Coming to you from our studio in the IVAC office, I'm your host and Chamber Executive Director, Bill Zenz. Joining me in studio today is a wonderful person all around I've had the chance to talk to a few times, Ms. Jody Mahoney. Jody is the President and CEO at North Central Behavioral Health Systems, and she's been with the organization since 1997. She's held a variety of management roles, overseeing education and prevention, treatment, and other administrative areas, and currently serves on the Board of Directors of the Illinois Association for Behavioral Health. She was a member of the Governor's Connect Illinois Task Force Telehealth Committee and past board member for the Community Behavioral Healthcare Association of Illinois. It's quite a bit. Mahoney has also provided consulting services for multiple behavioral health providers on the implementation of telehealth within their service lines, and has provided national presentations on electronic health record implementation and telehealth for the National Council for Community Behavioral Health Association and Open Minds Consulting, both located in Washington, D.C. Jody holds a master's in business administration from the Graduate School of Management at Lewis University in Romeoville, Illinois, and she currently lives in Oglesby with her husband Jim, two children, three dogs, and two cats. With mental health being a continued hot topic in our local and national media, Jody today is going to share what resources she and her team at North Central Behavioral Health Systems provide, how she got into the health services industry, and tips and insights for people who are passionate about helping others and want to develop a career within a place like North Central Behavioral Health Systems. So with that, Jody, welcome. Thank you for being here today. And just want to make sure there was a, a lot that you've done in your time. Several of those were mouthfuls, but is there anything that I missed or anything you'd like to add? Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you for asking me to come and talk with you today. That's That represents 25 years of, of a career. So there are a lot of things that happen in 25 years. And um, I think that those hit the highlights of everything up till this point. It's, I've been the CEO now for about a year and a half. So I can't say there will be another 25 years to cover, but that's what I'm focusing on now is learning the role and the intricacies of being in that top leadership role for an organization like North Central Behavioral Health System. So thank you again for having me here this afternoon. Absolutely. And if you haven't heard or talked to Jody, she did a presentation for us at the chamber a while back. Having that CEO role, she's very passionate. She shared a lot of information mm-hmm. uh, and, and the passion comes through loud and clear when you present. So hopefully everybody can hear that through the microphone today. And again, if you have a chance to speak with Jody, please take advantage. So really, we'll, we'll dive into it. I uh, wanted to start off uh, just by giving everyone a little bit more information about North Central Behavioral Health and what you all do. So first question first is, where are you located? Okay. Well, we our main office is located on Charter Street in um, LaSalle. That is our administrative office as well as an outpatient clinic. But North Central is much larger, larger than what appears to the eye in our local community. We actually serve, provide services in eight different counties. We have four large outpatient facilities in various locations. Uh, another, we have an outpatient site in Ottawa. We have one in Canton, Illinois, and one in uh, Macomb, Illinois. In addition to those outpatient sites, we also have lease space within some of our hospitals. So, for example, we have an outpatient site at uh, OSF. Center for Health and Wellness in Streeter. We also have outpatient, uh, an outpatient site embedded within um, St. Clair Hospital. 
over in the Princeton area. In addition to that, we have a, a residential facility, an eight-bed residential facility over in the Princeton location. We also uh, work collaboratively with the OSF healthcare system by, we have an embedded crisis intervention specialist within the, their emergency departments uh, of Ottawa and over in, at St. Clair in Princeton. So that's just a snippet of some of the scope that we have. We actually deliver services out in um, Henry County as well, where we are embedded with the public health department in Henry County. And we do the same thing in Lake End with, with Marshall County. So pretty broad scope. Yeah. In, would... a, in addition to those outpatient sites, we also have staff out in the community who really go to individuals' homes and deliver case management type services. So pretty pretty big reach. Yeah, I would say so. Not not only north central, just north central as a whole. You, you're covering a lot of ground, not just LaSalle County, not just Bureau, not just Putnam. A very wide reach. And again, between facility centers and individuals, mm-hmm. a lot of good being done by your organization. Yes, we, we, um, we work real hard to, to help people and give them a quality of life that they may not have had if they didn't have the involvement with our our staff and our organization. That's fantastic. And I think with the light that's been shed on mental health and getting rid of some of those bias, right, that have been around in the past, hopefully more people are are realizing that whether they need it or they know somebody who needs help, it's okay to ask for it at this point. Absolutely. Uh, We are seeing since COVID, we've really seen a focus on um, the importance of mental health and the impact of substance use uh, during COVID has really educated, I think, society as a whole, not just in our local community, but as a whole, um, and and served to really destigmatize these services, which historically people were shy to reach out for help when they needed help, different philosophies of the importance of treatment and Sometimes it was looked at as a character flaw if you needed or could benefit from mental health or substance use treatment. And I think that that is, has all completely changed. And um, that it, that's a good thing because it will encourage people to reach out for the help that they, that they need to, again, live the best life possible for each individual. That's the goal. That's fantastic. So around, around those pieces, the requests that are coming in, the reach that you do have. I know in my role, I say, you know, I'm the executive director of the Chamber of Commerce and I get asked a lot, so what do you do? And I've got to, I've got to get better with my 30 second elevator speech. But if, if somebody were to come up and ask you or your team at the office, what do you do? What's your go-to answer there? Well, I, I share with them that we really are a mental health and substance use treatment outpatient facility. Um, that That's the five-second description, I, I then go, go into talking about the, the types of diagnoses that we typically are, are treating and um, who we're helping. And then we will talk a little bit about what does outpatient mean. You know, a, a lot of times people have the vision of treatment being hospital-based, inpatient, you know, you're, you're in a hospital facility. Um, that is one level of care within the continuum. So ours is really that outpatient 
site, much like a medical clinic. You go to the doctor for a, a physical a primary care doctor for certain physical ailments. You go to um, an outpatient site for therapy, for um, psychiatry services, which are medication-type services specifically relative to um, mental health disorders. And and then I will talk a little bit about the scope of services that, that we can provide and help them with. So that's that's our 30-second elevator speech, I guess. Yeah, for, for everything that you all do to fit it into 30 seconds mm-hmm. has got to be difficult because you've got to pick and choose which, which topics you want to touch on. And as we get through the conversation today, some of those will come out. Uh, but I encourage everybody that hears this to go out and visit the website because there is a list of services offered and, and things that you do for the community that, again, unless you look or ask, people don't know about. Right, exactly, exactly. How about the history of, of your facility? I'm always interested to hear how some of our businesses locally have, have gotten their start or, or why they landed in the Illinois Valley. Uh, what changes they've seen throughout their time and growth plans or anything else. So I don't know what, what you can share with us today, but would, would really like to hear some of that. Sure. Well, North Central Behavioral Health Systems is a product of um, actually two mergers. In the mid-90s, um, it, North Central is a product of um, LaSalle County Council for um, Alcoholism. Quad County Counseling for um, Behavioral Health and the uh, LaSalle County Mental Health Center. Those three separate entities came together and formed North Center Behavioral Health Systems, and that is where our um, geographic coverage area first began to expand. So through that initial merger, that um, then developed the five northern counties of LaSalle, Bureau, Marshall, Putnam, and Stark Counties. In the um, late 90s, there was um, the Community Mental Health Center of Fulton and McDonough Counties, which is Canton and Macomb area, Macomb being where Western Illinois University is. Um, their CEO was retiring, and he was looking for um, a succession plan for this small agency that they had um, in that area. Subsequently, North Central took over CMHC of Fulton and McDonough County, and then became part of North Central, and that's how we added the Fulton and McDonough counties to our service area. Since that time, within the last couple of years, we've formed a partnership with the um, Stark-Henry County Health Department and their public health administrator there. We um, have a very good relationship. We have a lot of the same values and really saw behavioral health as being part of that public health service continuum and he has worked uh, real, very closely with us to, to initiate behavioral health into um, his health department. So that's some of our, our growth area and how we've begun to expand um, geographically. Yeah, so it all started with, with some mergers, though. It all started with started mergers, okay. yes. Um, back in the mid to late 90s, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, mergers were going on everywhere, but I think it... A lot of that was really due to um, healthcare changing, um, the reimbursement systems changing for healthcare, and really um, the need to find efficiencies in providing services 
within a different reimbursement model. At that same time, um, the state of Illinois, uh, traditionally behavioral health services were grant funded. So everything, every revenue dollar that came in, came in from a state grant. And during that same time period, the reimbursement methodology was changing and it was moving to a fee-for-service, which is, which means that just like any traditional business, you go in, you have a product is offered, a product or service is offered, it costs X amount of dollars and you pay for that, for that product or service. Um, that was happening in Illinois at that time as they implemented um, a Medicaid system. Um, up until the mid-90s, late, mid to late 90s, the state of Illinois did not build a federal Medicaid system, and that's what really changed. So um, that changed a lot of things, and it, it drove efficiency. You had to find efficiencies because you couldn't, you, you couldn't make the business accessible with, uh, with the new reimbursement model. You guys found a way because here you are this many years later, still still doing it and growing. Yes. Um, I think one of the pieces that sticks out to me kind of in the history realm when you had spoken was the telehealth piece. You all were kind of leading edge on you were telehealth before telehealth was cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> and some of the boards that you sat on with that and kind of how you all had introduced that to healthcare a long time ago, and now that's that's a big player. Everybody wants a nurse-on-call telehealth-type program. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's extremely interesting to me that that started with your group, yourself, and the work that you all have done. Uh, necessity is the um, inventor. So um, I'll share a little bit about how we came into that telehealth realm is our office in Macomb, had lost its child adolescent psychiatrist, and we could not recruit, and this was back in 2009, we could not recruit a psychiatrist who was willing to provide services in that Macomb office. And so at that time, we looked for alternative ways to um, provide service access. We had a very good relationship with um, Methodist Hospital, Methodist Hospital in Peoria, had um, an outpatient clinic as well as inpatient services there. And through our associations, we we had a relationship with their um, administration. And so we began to have conversations with them about the possibility of being able to subcontract one of their child adolescent psychiatrists to provide telehealth services in the Macomb office location for child adolescents. And we were able to put together a plan um, and execute the plan and, and implement those services. With that small little project, our full-time psychiatrist at that time um, loved technology, so he was very intrigued by the idea of being able to provide um, telehealth services because at that time he was driving from our LaSalle office to our Canton office at least once a week to provide services. And that that is very costly and it's not the best use of that type of credential to be in a car for two hours each way to um, provide services. So he really embraced uh, telehealth, began to learn about telehealth, and then really became the champion within our organization on providing um, telehealth services during that time. After that, happened, we were able to 
roll out telehealth for other service lines, not just for the psychiatry services, but also for the other types of services that we provide. Some of those community-based services, our staff would go into individual homes and be able to connect back to their therapist in the office. We, we used it in every program that we, that we were doing services for. So when the pandemic came and we were had the shelter-in-place order, we were fortunate. We have a staff of about 100, of 150 people. Out of those 150 people, only 16 of the staff did not have laptops that allowed them to work from home during that time. We got those folks' laptops, and within two days of that order, we were back up and running, um, working from our homes to keep those services open to individuals with telehealth. So yes, it's it's been a, a long history. It, I kind of chuckle to myself now because I think everybody makes a big deal out of telehealth and, oh, we have this, we, you know, we want to see your doctor. And, and for us, it became such a natural mode of service delivery. It, it, it's just second nature. You don't even think of it as being a specialty that you can do because it was so embedded. Which is, again, that, that was when you brought that up. It made me laugh a little bit because everybody was, you know, you had teachers trying to learn how to Zoom, you had doctors trying to learn how to Zoom and do, and here you all are like, oh, we got this. We've been doing it for years. Pandemic, what pandemic? Like, we'll continue on two days to get everybody, your last few people up and running. It's phenomenal, especially in an organization of 100, 150 people. So that's Thank great. You. Yeah, we're proud of that accomplishment. We were proud that we were able to um, have very little disruption. That's good. Now, the last question that I have around around the organization itself is what individuals are able to utilize your services? Who is able to utilize the services you provide and, and why kind of combine two questions, but why would they choose you all versus other providers or options in the area? Our, our services are open to anyone who needs assistance. So I would, um, if anyone feels they need assistance, just call. Call our main number at 815-224-1610 and someone will be able to direct them in the right in, into the right area. If we don't have the services that will meet their needs, we can provide a referral and, and other um, recommendations for resources to that individual. In addition to that phone conversation on our website, there's also um, a resource book that has a plethora of information on different types of um, services throughout all of the communities that we serve, whether it's um, psychiatry, whether it's case management services, housing needs, that sort of thing. I would really encourage everyone to, to take a look at our website and look for that resource listing book. Um, again, we're happy to talk with anyone. And if, if we are not able to assist them, we will refer them to someone who might better meet their needs. Why should people come to us? I, I, I'm really proud of the number of years of service we have. I mean, combined, our, organiza our organization really reflects 50 plus years of um, service in behavioral health and substance use treatment services. So um, very experienced, um, very experienced staff. It's a complicated system, and um, I, I think we know the system very well and can help people navigate the system. Um, because sometimes that's very challenging. The perception is that that help is not available, when in reality the system is so complex that 
um, it becomes frustrating and people give up. And and, and I understand that. I, I feel like that with sometimes a lot of the different websites that I have to go in and sign up for different mm-hmm. things um, to, to get access to. So I, I get it. I get it in a different way. But um, again, a, a phone conversation and it's it's okay that that you don't under people don't understand and it's okay we'll help them kind of um, move through the navigation of all of the system why they should come to us versus other types of providers because of our licensing we are licensed as a community mental health center which is a um, it's considered a safety net of a community so from a healthcare perspective it, it's um, a CMHC is for short, is considered a safety net. What that means is we're, we're able to um, provide a whole, a whole scope of specialty services that many other entities cannot, and that's due to our licensure. For example, we can provide community-based services um, such as community support for individuals and groups. We have a, resi- uh, a residential facility for folks who have a mental health diagnosis. We have psychosocial rehab services that that other entities do not. We also really work on providing services that are evidence-based. So we use a lot of evidence-based um, treatment protocols in, in our business, things like cognitive behavioral therapy, moral recognition therapy, um, we're using motivational interviewing. So these are all treatments that have evidence-based research behind them that, that um, say if you follow a certain protocol, a certain um, way of going about treatment, you can expect to see this type of outcome from um, providing that treatment. Uh, we have really good client satisfaction rates. We, we survey our clients every quarter and a different group of them every quarter and I'll just kind of share some of our our statistics with you because I think it it really reflects the work the quality work we do because it's not only just about being able to get access it's about assuring that what you're doing is actually helping individuals to get better um, in, in not only from our measurement but from their from from the individual's perspective as well so in 2021, I'm just summarizing a year's worth of it. In 2021, 98% of our patients surveyed indicated that they would recommend us for for services. Um, 96% said that we met their expectations for treatment. 95% said that services improved uh, their functioning. Um, 98% indicated that um, we're respectful of their culture. Um, 98% indicated um, that we respect their privacy, and um, 97% said that they are seen in a reasonable time frame. So I think that that is really good feedback from the individuals that we serve, and um, we continue to work on on um, getting getting better in each of those areas as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think a couple of things that, that stuck out to me were the experience just the experience within your organization is phenomenal. My wife's in healthcare, and any time that you get into systems and policies and processes, whether it's on the state side, the healthcare side, the insurance side, having a group of people who know how to navigate that 
that's one of the most important things because it, there's no easier thing to get down about than trying to get care and not knowing what ne- next steps are or how to proceed. So I, I think that stuck out to me. And then again, between yourself and the other ladies who came and spoke and the folks I've talked to from the organization, the passion that kind of rings out from everybody, it doesn't surprise me that there's high 90s on all of your marks from, <laughs> from patients. So um, and just to reiterate what, what Jody has said is if you know of or are somebody who could use help, a call 815-224-1610. If Jody and team can't help, they have those resources to point you in the right direction. So always feel free to call them. Again, a, a lot of help can be had, if not from them, from the resources they have available. Anything else on the organization, Jody? Again, we went through, there was a lot to share there. I know that wasn't even everything to share, but anything else you want to touch on before we before we move on a little bit more? I The, the only thing I would say is I, I just really am proud of um, our workforce. It is not easy to do the work that they do day in and day out. And there is um, a lot of conversation right now about um, essential workers, healthcare, uh, burnout in the field. And, and it's true. It, it is, you know, they hear a lot. It, it, it would, they hear a lot in order to help people. They hear a lot. And it, it's hard on them sometimes. So we have to really just make sure as an organization that we're taking care of our staff as well, which is it, it fits in with the new culture of our workforce um, in 2022 came to light after the uh, COVID situation, the need to take care of not only our patients, but our workforce as well. And so I, I want to really recognize and give a hats off to our staff who do this work day in and day out and many of them for many years with a high turnover rate. You know, we haven't talked a lot about, we haven't talked about that, but the workforce shortage is alive and well in our industry like it is in every other industry. And we have a smaller pool to, to pull from because it has the, the going into behavioral health or social work or psychology was never one of the mainstream type of educational paths that many individuals pursued. So our workforce pool is really, really small at a time when demand is completely, totally increasing. And then you have the whole burnout piece going on with it. So hats off to our staff who do a, a great job with the individuals. And that you, know, you touched on something there that it, it does take a special person with a passion for helping others mm-hmm. to do the job that you all do. And what I'd like to do now is kind of focus on you and how you got into it and just your journey through the system and getting to where you are today. So really, we talked about the beginning years of experience within the healthcare industry, but how long exactly has it been that you've been part of the healthcare industry? It was actually 25 years on May 1st, 25 years. And that was with North Central. Prior to North Central, I actually worked for one of our uh, local manufacturing businesses for 13 years in a administrative support position. And during that time uh, with that organization, I went back to school, got my bachelor's degree, and and was really ready to move on into more of the, the uh, management uh, role. Um, how I knew about North Central was that 
through my role in my it, with my previous employer, we were looking for an employee assistance program in EAP, and I had made um, I had scheduled meetings with LaSalle County Council for Alcohol to come in and talk with us about what they offered for an EAP, and um, that's how I learned about North Central. I had always kind of liked psychology. I, I didn't study psychology in school, but I always I really liked it. I it, the mind intrigues me, and mm-hmm. so um, it was really interesting talking with with those individuals when I was um, looking to expand my skill set. And um, at that was at the time that they that North Central was merging with those three other entities. And lo and behold, they had like an entry level. Uh, management position open as a front office supervisor. So I was able to make that transition in a entry-level management position, but then learning the business. And I had really good, I had two wonderful mentors who I wouldn't be where I'm at without those two people. And they just saw something in me and they devoted time and energy in teaching me this very complex business because I had um, no exposure to it at all prior to going into that that role. Okay. And the mentor piece that you brought up, so for anybody who is listening, if there's something you're interested in, we have got people in our area, in our communities that are very good at what they do. So if there's something that interests you, you've, you've heard it here several times, the mentorship piece is extremely important. Ask. I know that a lot of individuals that are in leadership roles around here would jump at the opportunity to share some knowledge, right? Share what they know and give back the way that they were given when Absolutely. they were starting out. So Absolutely. that's fantastic, a fantastic bit of information. So said you've always been interested in psychology and the mind, how it works. Um, was there was there one thing that got you interested or was it just kind of a passion for understanding kind of the, the human mind and how people interact and how it all goes together? I think it's the latter, the how people interact. Um, uh, Back when when I was beginning my uh, professional life, it, it was um, an era of coaching. Coaching was the, you know, that was a hot topic, a key word, and it it was really um, maximizing your own skill sets that you had. And and I really always believed, uh, you know, like those those books, Think and Grow Rich. What were some all those different self help books? Because I wanted to have that edge. I wanted, and I knew that I, I just inherently knew that if you could figure out these tricks or have these a different perspective on things, that that it might give you an advantage over another individual that you were would be competing against. And and so that's what my intrigue in psychology was was really all of. It was the era of that. I think what was that? Probably the mid '80s or something like that. That that was, that was the hot thing to do. And truthfully, I didn't even understand treatment. I understood it as coaching um, to raise yourself to that next level. And so that's what intrigued me kind of with it. Did when I got into the um, the actual industry and business, I, I really didn't expect. Uh, what what was there? I, you know, our our organization is really focused on treating um, folks who have 
um, a serious mental illness or or substance use issue and that's really different than what I was what my understanding and perception were but I still liked it I had I still believe no matter how acute someone is with having mental health issues or having substance use issues there is always the possibility for recovery always and um, to see people be able to live their best life possible because of the work that we do, that is very, very rewarding. And it may have a different measure than what you and I have, but for them, it's huge. It's huge. So. Yeah, 25 years, I think that you probably more than just liked what you do. It's, it's again, in the way that you talk and you can't see Joy, but she's smiling right now behind the <laughs> microphone as she's speaking. There, there's more than just a like. There, there's definitely a love and a passion for for what she's doing. In your time in these roles and as you've grown through and kind of gone from an interest to them being in the organization and part of this this health industry, you've had a handful of roles, right? We listed those at the beginning. Uh, what, what's been your favorite role so far that you've held? Oh, goodness. Um... There's been so many of them. I, I don't know if you. I don't know if you can pick just one because if you pick just one, I don't think you'd last 25 years. You have to kind of keep rolling, developing, um, being creative, and um, seeing the progress in different. Every different project you do is something new. It meets a different need. It creates a different type of excitement, and this this industry is right now it's it's in a very rapid change cycle which had not been the case like when i came into the industry it, it had been somewhat of a dinosaur it moved really slow it's it's a highly regulated industry you know much like any healthcare is behavioral health is even more regulated than traditional health care is and so when you have high regulation it is the system is a beast and so it moved really, really slow. There, it's not nimble, but at the same time now we went, we've got this history of a dinosaur, and now um, we're having to be rabbits and 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 adapt, adjust very, very quickly, which is is difficult when you've got so much regulation. I, I think that that's been the biggest challenge. To overcome is some of some of those things, um, but we keep moving forward and and capitalizing off of the opportunities that the new environment offers. That's I think what keeps you going. So that that ability to adapt or the need to adapt is kind of what you've enjoyed. That mm-hmm. being able to come up with the plans, being able to, to come up it. with the plans, right. build the systems. Um, I, I like I like to build systems and. Prior to being the CEO, I spent about 18 years as a chief operating officer. So that was all process management, was which was really building the systems. So I really built the systems with our team. And now I kind of am able to sit back and, and watch those systems change, pivot, build new programs, build new services, and, and keep bringing that all together to expand the scope and relevance of of the work that we do in our communities that's fantastic and that growth 
And again, I think as people get to speak with you and hear what you do, that's going to help as well. I I know that at our launch, it opened up some eyes. I was extremely interested. I was happy that you agreed to come in and do this. So even if a handful of folks take something away, Mm -hmm. it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. So how about future goals for yourself? So again, you've been, been at it. Now you said in 25 years, you've moved through the system. You're at that CEO level. What do you have laid out for yourself for, for goals, future state? Oh, I just really want to be the best CEO for our organization that I possibly can be. I um, I want to be a good leader uh, for our staff that are now, you know, things are changing. Our uh, people are retiring. Our senior leadership is turning over due to retirements. And so we're bringing up a whole new level of, managers, senior senior level leadership changes, our mid-level managers are, are fairly new. The, the folks coming in to provide the treatment are fairly new in their careers. So it, there's a lot of energy and a lot of passion with, with these individuals. So um, when you talked about mentoring and giving back for the people that did that for me, I'm doing that now for the, the folks that I have working on my team and, and with me. I have a wonderful board of directors who have been very supportive of the work that we've done of myself personally and individually encouraging. And I, I think that it's just continuing to get better in this role in this role that I do. That's my goal. That's my long-term goal. And, and, um, and then when I'm ready to move on to have someone good in place that will be able to take over and, and fill my shoes without there being a blip in the system, like, um, my mentor did for me, you know, when, we, when he was ready to retire, it, it was just a smooth transition that, it didn't even wiggle the needle on um, what we were able to do as an organization. So I think that's my, those are my goals uh, for myself. That's great. And I, I, I like asking that question to people in a leadership role, CEO role, right? It's, it's almost like you've made it to the top of the organization. It's important that you don't lose sight of those goals, right? That right. you don't stop working to be better because that's when things tend to fall apart. So mm-hmm. it's always exciting to hear those answers from, from folks like you. So thank you for that. And you touched on a, a piece that we'll get into next is a, around some of the new people within the organization. And we talked about the talent pool for what you all do. Um, and it will touch on some of the, the opportunities that lie out there, whether it's as a frontline clinician or it's on the business side of the work. Um, that'll, be, that'll be exciting to get into. My last question for you uh, is Illinois Valley side. Just personally on the Illinois Valley said, what is it that you enjoy the most about being in the Illinois Valley? Well, I am a lifelong resident of the um, Illinois Valley area. So I, I have to say my family is all here and I, I really like the small town culture. I like to visit the cities. I like the resources and, and innovation and creativity and energy that can come from the city. But I, I I'm a small town girl. I like the small town culture and, and for the Illinois Valley, of course, the food. I, I mean, <laughs> been a lot of places throughout the United States and 
it's hard to compare to some of our restaurants and the food that that we have here and and um, you take it for granted being here but try to find fried chicken in Arizona is not not easy mm-hmm. yeah that's <laughs> you know, that uh, I think is a common thread it's it's hard to hold a candle to some of what we have food wise and then the small town that's that's how I feel same way so I did a little bit of hard time in the suburbs after graduation and came back ultimately uh, great to visit up there and it is it's we're conveniently located where you can get away mm-hmm. and get some refreshers get some ideas from from those communities but you can come back and reground yourself with the people that know and love and can trust so yes. that's very similar in that sense so appreciate you sharing that again the next piece would like to move on to getting into the industry um, so for listeners who want to be the next CEO of an impactful organization like North Central Behavioral Health Systems, um, what are some some things they can do to get started? I would keep an open mind on what opportunities are are out there. If you like to help people, I think that it is a really good organization, a good industry to to investigate for someone. And I'm not just saying North Central throughout the United States right now um, in all types of positions, um, senior leadership positions, management positions, um, whether they're clinical or from the business side. There are many opportunities because um, like other industries, it's an aging workforce, especially in the leadership positions. A lot of retirements um, are, are happening. And so it really, for uh, I'll speak for myself, it was a way to help people, but but use the skill set that and education that I had. I was I was totally trained from a business standpoint. I had no absolutely no clinical training at all, but I liked the work that was being done. So my contribution, what I felt, is I had the skill set to help build the system that helped people. I, I don't have I didn't have the demeanor or the aptitude or training to provide the clinical um, treatment, but I could build the systems that assured sustainability of those services. And then there's folks then that can provide those services. We have a pretty robust internship program for the clinical services. We partner with many universities. Aurora University is one of the larger ones that uh, we take a number of their interns to provide them with that clinical supervision, exposure to doing treatment. Um, I mentioned before, we have a lot of different specialty services, so our internships are pretty comprehensive and can provide a good scope of what types of opportunities are available for folks who are going into the social work field. So that's I think what you touched on there is not to lose sight that it's not just the licensed clinical social workers that are needed in an organization like yours. There are the management sides. There's there's other opportunities that if you have a desire to help, but you think, you know, I I may not be comfortable sitting one on one doing the interview, being the, the social worker there's other opportunities that are out there that you can still help the organization be successful, not necessarily patient facing. Correct. And I, I, again, I think that 
an organization like yours with the scope, the size that you have, and the offerings that you have, a fantastic spot to start for an individual who even wants to explore those opportunities, whether it's an internship or just, just kind of reaching out to see what's out there. As far, as far as the license practice goes, obviously there's licensing that goes into that, special training you'll have to go through, exams you have to pass. Are there any other licenses or special training that somebody would have to go to to work on the back side, though, that operation side? Not necessarily. Um, so it depends on there, there's like patient accounts positions that, that come open that don't require um, a, a formal education for um, any. There are some that do require at least a bachelor's degree like mine. I, when I started there, I had a bachelor's degree in business administration. I have individuals who have a bachelor's degree in accounting. So there's like anything, there's entry level from the operations standpoint, the business functions, all, and, and of course the higher the responsibility, the higher the education that, that you need. The same holds true on the clinical side. So um, uh, you mentioned the, um, the licensing, the licensed clinical social workers, the licensed um, professional counselors. In our organization, there are a handful of those licensed people, and that's also a piece that's unique about our organization is because of having the licensure that, that we have of being um, a community mental health center, our services are able to be delivered by a lesser credential person with the oversight of the licensed person. So not all organizations are able to do that. So. There are um, many opportunities within the clinical side to have a bachelor's degree and be able to come in and begin to provide direct care, whether it be community-based services in our residential facility. Um, after some experience, you could actually do the one-on-one -on -one counseling services with individuals. And then many times folks come in as a bachelor's level, find they really like that, and then their next step is to become a master's level therapist. So they will go back to school, get their master's degree, and then complete that and begin to provide actual therapy. Counseling is a little bit different than actual therapy. So they'll do that for a period of time, and then they will go. They, they have to have so many hours of providing that service under the supervision of a licensed person, and then they're eligible to go and sit for their full licensure as well after a period of time. So there's a lot of nice career steps um, in, in the clinical side. My career steps were in the management side. I did front office. I did facilities. I did prevention. I did. I, I I really through the twenty five years I had overseen every single department in the organization at one point or other, with the exception of our um, accounting department, who was overseen by our vice president of finance. So uh, you can see that there I there was a, a path there. It's it's really passion, aptitude, and and people help you along the way. It, it's a very supportive environment, very truthfully, a very supportive industry overall. I could go out to my peers and they would say the same thing and they work the same way. It's the same values of really helping people. So there's no one road into no. the career. Mm -mm. You could be you could be the chamber director one day, decide you want to help, 
go sit with a bachelor's degree, learn a little bit, mm-hmm. decide I like it, and then go get licensed. Absolutely. So that's yeah, absolutely with with time, right? You know, yeah, time. everything takes time yeah. and effort and training and a willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. But that again, that's exciting for folks that are out there who have thought, you know, that'd be really neat to do. Mm-hmm. I just I'm not licensed. I'm not because of how your organization is set up. There are some opportunities that may be out there. And to that point, are there opportunities available right now, whether it's locally or throughout your system, that people could take advantage of if it is something they want to look into? Yes, there are. <laughs> um, uh, we have a number of different openings right now, and I would really encourage you to look. All of our openings are posted on our website um, under careers. We have some openings in our camp location. We have some openings in our Ottawa location, and they're, they're different lo- they're behavioral health therapists, their intensive home and community-based specialist positions. They are, I believe, case manager positions are some of them. So um, again, some of these openings are are due to program growth. Um, We've implemented a number of new programs in the last year and a half, which has really been exciting but challenging to recruit. Um, We have openings also in our in the uh, Henry location for behavioral health therapists that want to work with probation. We have a mental health juvenile justice um, position open in Princeton and that's working with um, the probation department there uh, for kids who it's almost more of a diversion program that would um, provide some intervention before things maybe got real serious and they have some charges. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different populations that we work with, which is nice as well. As we've grown, we've diversified some of what we're doing. So we're working very closely with schools. We have embedded therapists in schools. We're working very closely with the criminal justice system. So if you you like that criminal justice population, that the MHJJ Mental Health Juvenile Justice Pro um, position is one of them. We also have, um, we do mental health and drug court in um, not only LaSalle County, but in Fulton County as well. Um, so again, there, it's that, that variety. You can yes. kind of find where your passion is. And, and um, whether it's working with adults, working with children, working with criminal justice, working with the school systems, working with businesses through the EAP programs, there's, it's just, there's so much variety there. I would really encourage people to, to, to look at our website and see if there's something that may be a fit for them. And what is the website? Our website is www.ncbhs.org. Okay. So I don't have to spell out the whole thing. No. I can use the acronym. That's perfect. Uh, and I think what is, is a potential employee, what would get me the most excited are the number of opportunities and the variety of opportunities to where I can get into the system, do it. And if I decide, hey, you know what, maybe juvenile is the way I want to go, I could look at potentially moving over. And then the fact that the positions are open due to growth, mm-hmm. growth, or you had mentioned some retirements happening, people who have been in the system for quite some time, you know, they're 25 to 35 to however many years are stepping away. It's not people leaving because they're unhappy. It's new programs, growth of the growth of the organization and retirements of long-term employees, which that's always good to hear. That's one of the things that I always used to ask as I was looking, we talked about what it takes, right? It takes that passion, the willingness to learn, 
big question, and I think I know the answer from your perspective, is would you recommend this industry to somebody else? Oh, absolutely. Um, a- absolutely. It has, it's been um, a wonderful career for myself. Um, it, it, the, it was so supportive. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about management and I knew nothing about um, healthcare and let alone behavioral health. But that, that community of people is just really different. It, it's, everyone is lifting each other up. It's hard work. It, it's much harder than the manufacturing positions that I had. Much harder, much more complex, much more challenging with not as much money in it. But it was that, that teamwork. It is the teamwork of everybody working together to um, support each other and to, to help individuals have a better life. And, and when you can see some of those individuals blossom, it's really, it's very, very rewarding. Um, and, and it's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3 versus other um, business opportunities. Uh, you know, I always, people would ask, why, why did you go into this when you got an MBA? You could have done anything with it. Why did you want to, why'd you stay? Why'd you do this? And I said, you know, I knew that the work, my, the contribution I was making was um, for people who lived in my community. It made my community better. When you when you work in the for profit large organizations, you know you're trained. I'm trained. If you're working for the purpose of shareholder wealth, your job is to maximize shareholder wealth, which is fine, important important sector. But I wanted to do something more that helped my community and helped the people in my community live a better life. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, if you want to be one of those folks who have major impact on your community and those around you, as Jody mentioned, visit the website, click on the careers tab and take a look what's out there. there there's plenty of information. Jody and her team can share what makes them go. Again, it's been almost an hour that we've been talking. Time flies, I think, when we do these. It's crazy how much information is is out there. And we, have, again, haven't scratched the surface on some of it. But I, I can't thank you enough for your time, uh, your insight, and your drive for the help that you provide and that your team provides to our community. Uh, and again, if there's anyone out there listening who, who has or knows of someone that could use help from Jody's team, uh, just hearing the passion that you have, I hope that helps them take the step to make the call. Or if there's a passion to do what you do and be the one who offers help. I hope that hearing you and hearing some of your story pushes them to take that step. And whether it's Aurora or one of the other universities, um, just getting in ground level and seeing what the organization is all about, taking taking that step and, and moving in their career, their career in that direction. So tell us again one more time where you're located, all the spots, and the best way to get in contact with all you. All the spots. Okay. We, are, um, we have office locations in um, LaSalle. Ottawa, Streeter, Princeton, Canton, Macomb, uh, and our phone number. The, the easiest way to remember is to contact us at our main number, which is area code 815-224-1610, and we certainly can help point you in the right direction if you don't need the LaSalle location specifically. 
Um, also, all of those locations and service array is located on our website at www.ncbhs.org, um, along with a, a really good um, educational library, which has a lot of information on different topics related to mental health and um, substance use um, conditions. So I would encourage everyone to look there. Um, again, careers. Um, on our website is a um, good indicator of where to look to see what is currently available. Check it often. We have some things in the works that I'm not able to kind of uh, share publicly yet, but um, towards the end of the summer, if things go right, there should be some other um, broader opportunities as well um, with some things that we have, have going. And I would just like to take a moment to thank you for inviting me here this afternoon and the ability to um, share the information about our organization and our staff and um, what we do. And I thank you for that opportunity. Absolutely. And again, thank you. Thank you to your staff. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. If, if you like what you heard today, uh, make sure you leave a review, uh, follow us, share us with your friends. If you have ideas for other folks like Jody, who are passionate about what they do and help serve the community, or anybody, again, in the community that you'd like to hear from, let us know. Send a message. And Jody, one more time, thank you very much. Thank you, my pleasure.